Um, I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Um, I've been in this weird thing where I've been listening to Dave Matthews. Does anyone here listen to Dave Matthews? Yes? Few lovers of Dave Matthews, Ryan. We drove home from, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina last weekend. We listened to him for a few hours in the car. But it's funny, like, I started listening to Dave Matthews when I was maybe eight, nine years old. And if you know who Dave Matthews is, it's not eight or nine-year-old music. It's good, but it's not like, it's not music that an eight or nine-year-old would listen to. And the reason I started listening to it, though, is because my, my brother listens to Dave Matthews, and like, I looked up to him more than anybody else. And when you're, and he's 11 years older than me. When you're a, a nine-year-old, and you're with like a math 20-year-old, it's like, it's like, you want to do everything that they do, and, and um, especially when there's someone you look up to, when you get around them, you want to be like them, so you do the things that they do, you start taking interest in the things that they take interest in, and we all know what that's like, you know, like the, the people that you surround yourself by rub off on you, like, it's funny even with like accents, the way people talk, we all know those people who will go to the South for two weeks and decide that they have a Southern accent, it's bogus, um, but that's true with all of us. The people that are really important to us, the people we spend a lot of time with, we pick up on their stuff. We start to like, say things that they say. Our gestures will kind of replicate theirs sometimes. And I actually think it's the same with God. Like It works the same with God. When we get close to him and we're near him, we start to, to say the things that he says. We start to do the things that he does. Our interests will, will line up with his. And that only happens in the place of communion. And uh, for me, for a long time, I wondered, like, man, why, I want my life to look more like Jesus' life. Why is that not happening? And about a year ago, God started to teach me a ton about his presence. He's like, Jonathan, if you want me, if you want your life to look like the life of my son, Jesus, you need to get close to me. It isn't about doing stuff. It's not about choosing to make the decision to read your Bible more, or pray more, or evangelize more, or this, that, this, that. And those are really good things. I'm not speaking against any of those things. But in the place of communion and fellowship where we come into his presence, that's when we will really start to look like him. And um, that's what, what Christianity is all about. It's, it's, it's about looking like Jesus. In 1 John 2, it's, it says if you abide in him, uh, you'll, you'll walk in the same way that he walked. Um, so that's what I'm talking to you guys about. And I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to, like, do anything in your own strength? Try and, like, especially in ministry, like, you try and figure out the best way to say something or communicate something, even in evangelism, like, I will want to present the gospel in a way that makes sense to me that I think will make sense to the person I'm talking to so that I can get a response. And even, like, preparing for this sermon, like, I was, had so much content and had all this scripture that I could have gone into. And, and yesterday, God just kind of like sat me still and was like, Jonathan, you, yes, you can teach about my presence um, all over scripture. God's presence happened. People come into the God's presence and then, and then stuff happens. But it isn't so much something that's taught. It's more so something that's caught, if that makes sense. Like I can, I can talk to you guys about the presence of God and, and the tabernacle in the Old Testament and I'm going to get into some of that, but like the way that you, you come to know God on a personal level is, is by going into his presence yourself and being with him yourself. And I, I talk about God's presence. I'm using those words, and you might be like, God's presence, what do you mean? Isn't his presence everywhere all the time? And yes, it is, but that isn't what I'm saying. Like his presence can be everywhere, but are you with him? 
Have you ever tried to like hang out with someone and they're on their phone the whole time and you're locationally, like you're in close proximity to them, but they don't have your attention. You don't have their attention. Um, I think it's the same with God. Yes, he's everywhere. Yes, he's in this room right now, but does he have our attention? Are we actually with him emotionally on like a personal level? It, it's funny that the, what we do with this thing called Christianity, like behind all of it is a man named Jesus, and he wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with us, and he wants to commune with us and have fellowship with us. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pray real quick and then jump into scripture. Man, Jesus, we love you. And Father, I just acknowledge your presence in this room. You're here. And um, I just pray that my words would be your words this morning. I I want you to speak. I want this body and myself included to just have a hunger for your presence. I pray that you'd make us people who need you. like So much so that we can't go a day, we can't go an hour without our Father. So yeah, God, I just, I acknowledge you in this room and, and I pray that you'd speak. I pray that your words, my words would just penetrate people's hearts and anything that is of you, that it would just resonate with us and that it would impact us and change our lives and anything that's not of you that it'd fall to the ground. Um, but Jesus, we love you and that's why we're gathering. That's why we're here. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you guys know that God is holy? And when I say holy, I mean like Holy. So much so that he can't be with someone or something that is unholy. Um, if you, I'm going to actually open up with Exodus 33. And uh, all over the Old Testament, it's always been God's heart to be with his people. Um, from the beginning, Trevor talked about last week Moses leading the nation of Israel uh, out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And something that happened shortly after that, God actually called him up on top of Mount Sinai where he communed with him for 40 days and um, told him a bunch of stuff. And one of those things he, he instructed him to do was to build this thing called the tabernacle. And that word tabernacle literally means dwelling place um, or habitation. And that's what the tabernacle would be from Israel's journey out of Egypt into the promised land for 40 years. They would fellowship with God, like the high priest Moses would fellowship with God in this tabernacle, and that's where God would speak to him, but not outside of the tabernacle. Like, nowhere else did, did God speak to his people clearly, except through Moses's interaction with him in this place called the tabernacle. And actually, if you want to throw that image up on the screen before I even read the scripture, um, just to, to give you guys an idea, it's kind of hard to see here, but the tabernacle was a tent, and there's all this, these pieces of furniture You could probably do like a 10-part sermon series on all of these different things. Um, But the thing that I'm going to talk about is this right up here. It's it's called the Ark of the Covenant, and it was separated from the rest of the tabernacle by this veil, this curtain. And everything that happened in this tent was all foreshadowing of Jesus and what he would do on the cross and leaving leaving the empty tomb. um, But this is the the Ark of of the Covenant. And um, there's actually this scripture in Exodus 25. I'm going to read it real quick. It's verse 21 through 22. You don't need to go there, but it says, And you shall 
Put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are these like angelic beings that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. And the reason why the presence of God was confined to this ark is because people were unclean. That's why animal sacrifice was a thing back then. God instructed us like, to um, basically sacrifice this animal so that that animal would be punished for our sin rather than us being punished for our sin so that we'd be, be clean. And there's actually this scripture in Hebrews that says like, the high priest couldn't even come into this holy place without bringing blood um, as a symbol of sacrifice. So like, God's holiness is a real thing, and he cannot be with someone that is unholy. And the very fact that he's with us shows us that, like, what Jesus did on the cross worked, you know. He took away our sin. He made us holy. He made us clean. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. I said I was going to read this, like, three minutes ago. I'm actually going to read it now. It's Exodus 33, 7 through um, 16. So picking up in verse 7. Now Moses used to, to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud, which is what God used to direct the people of Israel, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And, with, and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. I love that. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, this is Moses speaking, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Moses is basically saying, God, if you don't lead us, if you don't come with us, we don't want to leave. Because we are a people defined by your presence. And so are we today. Like, we are a people defined by the presence of God. It's crazy how, like, so back then, God spoke to Moses from between these two cherubim, these angelic beings on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And um, that's the only place people would, would typically hear the voice of God from. But now, like, we, his dwelling place is in us, you know? And it's almost like our mouth becomes that space between the two cherubim. It, when we're in God's presence and we, we start to get his words and think his thoughts— and become like him. I'm not saying become God, but become like him. We, we start to talk the way that he talks. And um, it's crazy how just all of this 
stuff had to happen. The picture's not up there anymore, but all this stuff had to happen in order for people to come into the presence of God. All of this sacrifice and all of these rituals and different things so that people could be purified. And um, I'm actually going to go now and read this scripture out of Hebrews that talks basically about how Jesus like fulfilled all of this stuff. Um, it's in Hebrews 10, 11 through 23. So it says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to us, for after saying, for, for after saying, this is the covenant that I would make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their heart and I will write them on their mind. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there's forgiveness of sin, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and let our bodies washed with pure water, be washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Like, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus did, and, and you've all heard the, the idea of like the veil, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was split, symbolizing like God's presence being open. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved now. And, and when you put your faith in Jesus, you're filled with the Spirit and his presence is with you. And that's, that's possible now, but like, I think that, that the presence of God is something that we, we confuse the presence of God for like our hour quiet time in the morning, you know? And I, the thing that I have to say this morning is that it's more than that. Like, it isn't about doing religious deeds or acts. It's, I said this before, it's about knowing a person. And it's about fellowshipping with a person. And in that space of fellowship, we really do become like him. And I think a lot of us are afraid to get close to God and to open ourselves up to him so that we can fellowship. But because we think we're like unworthy or something like that. Which the truth is, yet yeah, we are unworthy. But the fact that Jesus came that's like, that, that in and of itself is a revelation to us that God wants to be with us. A lot of us, I think that we're, we're afraid to get close to God, but like if, if God didn't want us to get close to him, then he wouldn't have sent his son, you know? And what I said in the beginning, like I, I had, have so much content that I could talk to you guys about with the presence of God, but it isn't really something that I can just, I can get up here and tell you guys, like, this is, this is how you go to the presence of God. This is what the presence of God is. No, because it's, that's like me telling you to how, how to have a relationship with, like, a significant other. Like, I can't do that. It's our own relationship with him, and he has things that he wants to speak to us individually, personally. And we're not going to hear those things unless we go to him and get away with him. I think instead, a lot of us, we do this, like, long-distance relationship with God. It's like we have this, like, long-distance marriage, and I was just thinking the other day, like, imagine being married to someone and your only communication with them is over the phone. <laughs> it 
I mean, it, you, you could get to know about the person. Um, you might be able to maintain the marriage, but it's totally different when you're actually in this, the same place as them. When you're in the presence of this person, it's in that place that you actually know them. And I believe that the thing that God has been teaching me and he wants to, to speak to all of us is that like he wants us as people to just get close to him. And that's it. Like I don't have anything else to say this morning besides that. He wants to be close to us. And in his presence, things change. Transformation happens. Like we'll have these dry spells in our faith where we feel like we're not being transformed. Nothing's happening in our life. And truth be told, a lot of, if that's the case, my question would be, have you drawn near to him? Not have you opened up your Bible today, but have you drawn near to him? Like come to him with everything out on the table and just said, God, here I am. Do something inside of me. I want to be with you. I want to fellowship with a holy God. James 4 tells us that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. That's a promise that we have every day. And in his presence, like there's so much that we can expect. Psalm 34 says that in his presence there's, or uh, Psalm 16 says in his presence there's fullness of joy. And I think that that's something that, that we lack and we run to all of these other places trying to find joy when the truth is, true, true joy is only found in his presence, you know? So I just implore you guys this morning to, like, get away with God. Just go and, and be with him and hear what he has to say to you about you. I, I feel like I've been in this season lately, just on a personal level, like, where a lot of things have just been shut down in my life. Like, I, I love evangelism. A lot of you guys probably know that. Um, and it's still been happening, but it just looks different. And I, I just feel like God has, with, with so many different ministry things especially, God has just said, like, stop. Just stop. I want you to be with me first. In, in Mark three sixteen, 16, um, when Jesus calls the 12, it says he calls the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. And I think that there's purpose behind that order, that he might be with them and that he might send them out. Before we're sent out as Christians, as believers, we have to be with the Father. We have to fellowship with him. And as I've already said, in that place of fellowship, we start to become like him. His character rubs off on us. and We start to want the things that he wants. But yeah, in, in my life, like, I've just, I felt so shut down and, um, with, with ministry and it's, it's crazy. I, I feel like in the four years that I've been a Christian, the most common struggle that I've had is burnout. Like I'll just run so hard spiritually and then I'll just get tired and, and burn out. And it's because I, I do so many things in my own strength. When like, if the source of our strength would be him and we'd come to know him and, and, and be with him, like burnout would never be an issue because we'd be people that overflow everywhere that we go. And that's really like all I have to say. <laughs> There's a lot more that I want to say, but like I said, some things can be taught and other things can just be caught. And I, I believe that this is something that can just be caught as you get away with your dad. He'll, he'll, he'll teach you and tell you how much he loves you. And like, it's crazy how many of us even hate ourselves 
so many people hate themselves. Like, the other week at Life Group, we were talking, and, and just this idea of, like, looking in the mirror um, came up, and, and it really spoke to me, and God's kept it on my heart for a while, but, like, you should be able to look at the mirror and, and love what you see, because he loves what he sees every time. And we're not going to know his thoughts about us unless we are with him. And like I said before, the, the reality that Jesus came and died speaks truth into the fact, like that is a revelation of God's love for us. We go around talking about how we're so unworthy and so like, I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of God's love. Yes, I get it. I get it. You're not worthy of God's love, but he still gave it to you. And the, the fact that he became a man, put on flesh, and died on the cross speaks into that. So just receive that love and be with him. He wants to fellowship with you. It's amazing that we don't have to sacrifice animals and go through all of this ceremonial cleaning or anything like that to, to come into his presence. He tore the veil and opened up his presence to anyone who would call on the name of the Lord. We underestimate the Father's love for us so much. And we're not going to start to understand it until we get away with him. So that's, that's my prayer um, for us, that we'd be people who prioritize the presence of God more than ministry, more than relationships, more than getting good grades, more than like being at this school, more than anything else, that we would prioritize the presence of God because it's available. And that's what heaven is going to be too. I, I think that we have this misconception that heaven is going to be us receiving everything that we've ever wanted or hoped for or dreamed of. And it is. That is what heaven is. But what Everything that you've ever hoped for can be found in God. Heaven is just the presence of him, you know? And, and hell, like, we, we misunderstand. We think hell is this place where we're tortured continually or something like that. But all hell is, it's, it's the absence of, the, of God, the perfect God. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. All that hell is, is the absence of that. It's the absence of him. It's eternal separation. That's it. And, and heaven, heaven is just the presence of him. Perfect, completed presence of God. And I'm scared that, that some of us, I, I think that we'll get to heaven and, and God will be a stranger to us. Like we're going to see him and it'll be like we've seen him. We're, he'll be a stranger. We won't, we'll be like, man, I didn't know you were like this. And the truth is we can, we can know what he's like now. And you can find it in this book, but you really find it in his presence. So, yeah, uh, I'm just going to pray for us, and then um, we can, worship band, you can come up. Um, yeah, God, like, I love you so much, and I love that you did what needed to be done for us to be people who could experience your presence. And Father, I pray that, that we would be a church that's changed by your presence. Even just now in, in worship, like, I pray that, that we would, you would empower us to worship you like you were here in this room with us, because you are. You are. And I pray that, that you'd make us people who live our life like you are with us all the time, because you are. We wouldn't be distracted by everything else. We just see you everywhere we go. We'd see you and the people that we talk to. 
Um, God, you're so good. I, I love that your power is made perfect in our weakness. And that we'd be, we can be people who fully rely on you. So I just pray even now in this worship that you would show up and that you'd do something powerful. God, that, that you would change us from the deepest parts, that you'd uncover our wounds that we have from the past and, and that there would just be healing. God, I pray that you'd speak to us right now in this time of worship. I just acknowledge your presence again in this room and in the life of every single person in here if their faith is in Jesus.